when the business relationship is good and you do a good job there, whether it's in your support and and your product does a good job, but the level of service you provide and you go above and beyond, that's when the friendship starts to happen. It's not reversed. Most business owners and entrepreneurs are secretly sick of hustling. And if you are too, you're in the right place. Welcome to the Hustle Less, Profit More podcast with me, Mickey Anderson, where we're revolutionizing success because you should have it all. Business success, lasting wealth, freedom, and fulfillment. Join me on this quest to uncover the keys to defining and achieving success on our terms so we can all hustle less and profit more. So I don't know about you, the listener, but I have definitely spent a fair share of my time trying to go shoulder to shoulder with people who are better than me. The more rooms I walk into where I am not the smartest, the better, because how else can we learn unless we surround ourselves with people who are going to expand us? And I'm so excited to have Scott Joseph here today. He's going to help us learn about how we can grow our network and leverage the power of masterminds to grow ourselves and our businesses. Scott, thank you so much for being here. Mickey, thank you very much. It's my pleasure. Now, you know, we we mentioned briefly before we hit record about the power of networking. One of the biggest mistakes we as entrepreneurs make is avoiding that networking piece. Can you speak a little bit to that, maybe your experience? Well, you know, for me personally, I spent the first probably three quarters of my career uh, isolating. And what I mean by isolating very competitive. I did not put a lot of importance on growing my network other than the people who were possibly vendors or suppliers to my businesses, obviously growing clients. I understood the value of growing the relationships and getting referrals and growing that part of the network. But I think there's so much more that can happen when you open up yourself, drop your ego, start sharing some of your ideas and, and building that network. And so if I had done that from the beginning, for one, I could have avoided a, a tremendous amount of uh, mistakes, shortened my learning curve, and probably grown my businesses minimum three to four times bigger than they are, probably a lot higher. I'm, I'm being conservative. And more importantly, I think for most entrepreneurs, the growth comes a lot. I think the growth can come a lot faster. You know, when I first started my business, I looked at networking as purely a way to meet clients. That was it. It was, I'm going to meet with prospective clients and that's my networking. But I think it's yeah. so much more than just that. And as a new entrepreneur, sometimes we focus too much on meeting clients and not enough on meeting the right people. Would you yeah. agree? Yeah. And, and think about networking events, so to speak, mm -hmm. right? You show up, it's usually an awkward situation. You might know two or three people there so instead of actually networking, you end up hanging out with the two or three people you already know. And you might say hello to a bunch of people. And in the end, you walk home with a pocket full of business cards or a purse full of business cards, whatever it might be. And then you never hear from anybody again. And no real meaningful conversations happen. I think true networking and relationship building, I want to walk away. when I, For me, when I've established a good relationship, I should be able to walk away and be able to call that person, text that person, and they drop everything they're doing and respond to me right away and vice versa. Like, you know, the people that I've met through various groups now that I do this all the time uh, and I put a high priority on it, if I'm in the middle of something and I've got a, 
another member calling me from something. I drop what I'm doing. I respond to them right away. And I quite honestly, I look forward to them. I consider them almost my my best friends. So to me, that's real networking. That's real relationship building. You know, I, I, I agree. I think sometimes we, we let the fear hold us back. There's a lot of fear in entrepreneurship. I don't know about you, but I feel like I'm building a plane on the way down as I fall off the cliff. Yeah. <laughs> and I think a lot of people who are introverts, especially, right? We have tons of introverts who are starting businesses and getting into entrepreneurship who fear building those relationships. They really don't enjoy getting into those places, into those rooms with a lot of people. But I don't think all networking has to be like that either. Are there yeah. things that we can do to set ourselves up to kind of cater to our own personality, even when it comes to networking? Well, for me, I can tell you what works best for me. If I'm involved in, and, and you brought up mastermind groups earlier, to me, when you isolate it down to, all right, here's a networking type of event or function. When the whole purpose is to show up and do that, it doesn't necessarily create an environment that makes that easy to do. Putting out some hors d'oeuvres and some drinks isn't what that, that's not what gets relationships going. When you're able to work with people, maybe you're trying to solve a specific, uh, you know, Vistage would be a good example, right? Some of these uh, groups you can join where you're taking tough issues, tough challenges, barriers that you're trying to deal with in your business. And there's a structure to try and create a good solution and an action plan to then move forward with and integrate into your business. When you're doing that throughout the day, with a variety of people. And then all of a sudden you are then the second half of the day is built on activities and excursions, the net, the so-called networking events. It makes it that much easier because I've spent a day or two with these people diving in to the things, holding them back, the things that have kept them plateaued, not letting them reach the next level and vice versa. They're helping me with the same stuff. When we get into these activities and excursions to me, that now we're just all friends talking and having fun. And that's where the real relationship builds. You know, it, to me, when you can get a room full of people of they got to have great vision, they've got to have diverse skill sets. And quite honestly, I think the experience, it benefits everyone in the room when the experience levels are all over the board, uh, because a lot of great ideas come from people who have very little experience. To me, that's this that's the type of environment that creates the best networking event. I think you're right. I think collaboration, anytime we can get people working together, you're going to learn more about somebody, you know, working to solve a problem or a puzzle in a few minutes than you will like doing the handshake and hi, what do you do? I think <laughs> I used to work for a fitness organization. One of the things I loved about them is if there was anyone who was interested in working for the organization, they had to come and work out with the group, with all the coaches and the team together. You learn a lot about somebody <laughs> doing a hard workout beside them. <laughs> And very quickly, you established either a bond or that person, you could tell they just weren't going to be a good culture fit Yeah, as well. <laughs> that's a great, that's a, that's a great example. I mean, what, how many times, and I brought this up, do you feel when you, how many network, do you go to a lot of just networking events? I go to more like development and education events that have networking built in. Yeah. All right. So when you're working and you get to the networking I guess, phases of those. Who do you typically talk with when you go to those? Yeah. Uh, people in that I've either seen speaking or people who I worked with Correct. on problems, someone who I've established a connection with. Yeah. Correct. So the, the real issue is that's where the real networking begins and then it just builds 
when it's, I guess, non-work related after after the fact, when you have these functions where you just show up and you're supposed to just meet people and mingle and it, it, that never ends up producing the result. It's awkward. Yeah. Yeah. It makes me think of those, you know, those 60 second or like three minute networking events, almost like speed dating, but it's like speed networking. I, I understand like the logistical part of trying to meet as many people as possible, but I, mm-hmm. I agree. I think you don't have enough time to really, <laughs> to really get to know someone and whether or not it it should be a relationship you're building in that short of time. Yeah. I, I'll give you a couple examples. Like you mentioned earlier, you know, there were some, a lot of businesses in your audience uh, might be just starting out. Uh, new to being an entrepreneur. God, there's so many people that have reached a lot of levels, different levels of success that are so willing to help and guide people. And some you have to pay for, some you, uh, some are willing to do it for, because that's what motivates them. They enjoy, I guess, paying that forward or, or helping people out. Maybe someone helped them out along the way. I can tell you that I was one of those people very early on. This is probably 25 to 30 years ago. But you hit a certain level of success, your talent level and your work ethic will only take you so far. And so I know that your show is all about not not necessarily grinding and grinding and grinding and grinding. If you don't have the experience, the knowledge, the expertise, you're only going to get to a certain level and eventually you're going to burn out of that and, and never really hit maybe what your your true vision or your goals were, right? And so for me, a big turning point in my life came when, uh, you know, we plateaued, we were doing okay, but it's not why I got into business for myself. I could have made just as much being an employee, not had the headache of managing people, which I had no experience in doing, not having the, the, the headache of worrying about making payroll in the first few years, not having the, the pressure of dealing with all the little things you don't think about before you become an entrepreneur. But I ran into, you know, Anthony Robbins, I ran into Jay Abraham. So I had two people that I just studied and I was fortunate enough uh, to meet Tony Robbins and not to say that he walked me hand in hand and, and or anything like that, but I, I really became a student and actually we became a, a franchisee of some of his early training materials. So I put our team through what I'll call Anthony Robbins training literally for two years every month. These are three full day, 12 or nine to nine type days, 12 hour days. I did it every month, the same stories, the same videotapes, the same exercises to the point they almost revolted and said, we're not listening to any more of these. So, (laughs) but the point is we got so good at it. It became like breathing to us. And I can say the same with Jay Abraham. There was so much about not just marketing, but running a business that I had no knowledge of, the true value of a client, establishing yourself as a thought leader. I mean, the list goes on and on, how to really grow the business and the the three things that you really got to measure and the strategies behind them in in terms of increasing your active customer base, the frequency in which your customers buy, the increasing the financial, you know, the transaction value of each client. And I'll tell you, I just approached business in a different way especially when I was able to combine those two. And I think a lot of people out there can get this type of information without paying the huge fees that you'd have to pay to those two individuals by networking properly because there are just so many people out there willing to help. 
you know, there's this saying, I was talking about this topic to someone earlier today, and it just made me think, you know, the, the phrase it takes a village is usually only used for like mothers and <laughs> early motherhood. But I think every phase of our life, it takes a village. Like it really does. None of us are truly yeah. doing this on our own or we don't necessarily have to. And I think when you can align yourself, whether it's online programs, whether it's people, masterminds, peers, mentors, the bigger and stronger your village, the further you're going to go. That's true. Yeah. I now that's a hundred percent true. I want to chat a little bit about the in-person versus virtual, because I think this is something yeah. that, you know, as a marketer, we're seeing in events, people are coming back to in-person. We love in-person, but there's still this both need and desire to have that kind of virtual component, because now that we've been opened up to the possibility, oh, I can attend more things. I can see more, access more. I want to. What's your take on networking virtually versus in person? It's interesting. So I can tell you during the pandemic that I started, I was one of the early people on Clubhouse. Mm -hmm. Within the first six months of an audio app, I built as strong, if not stronger relationships and got more out of those relationships. Not to say that I was taking, but I mean, I've had prominent podcast guests on my show. I've had several of them then transition and, be, and join our mastermind groups and help facilitate and moderate some of those uh, groups. But out of that one audio app, I literally probably got more out of that in six months than the other social networks that I was with combined. And I don't know. I just found it amazing that just something on audio only when you're talking, first off, it made me become a better listener because you can't sit there and talk over everybody or nothing gets done on that stage. I, I had to stop. Mickey, I had to stop interrupting people and talking over people. <laughs> hard lesson to learn. Let me tell you. Yeah, it was. So, so I got better there, but and I don't know if it was this. I felt like, you know, I think anytime you get successful people in the room, there might be a little bit of ego, but I felt like, there was a true high that you would get if you were on stage in those rooms and you had serious questions that you could answer and help people. I can remember I would leave those stages or those rooms, those discussions and feel so good thinking that I just, you know, just took somebody from here to there and, and whatever, you know, it's just there was just a, a natural high that came from that. And I think everyone on those stages feels that way or felt that way, at least the ones that had the shows that had good energy to them and were more positive um, or the rooms. And I just feel like to me, it opened up my eyes. So the course, going back to your initial question, though, is there a place for the virtual? I think there is a place for the virtual, because when I look at that experience, not to say that the relationships are as strong as they are in person. But that's the closest I've I've gotten. And I think there's a way to bridge the two. So for me, I can tell you what we're going to do with our own mastermind. So we use our events. We see how the community has formed and the relationships are, are built. And then we're going to build a virtual one off of that to continue the conversation. So it's not just twice a year or anything like that. I think we can grow this community even further combining the two. I hope that answers your question. No, it does. I think I think you're right. I think... This episode is brought to you by the Hustle Less Profit More Club, the marketing solution for small businesses struggling to grow. Learn how to ditch marketing that doesn't work and create a no-fluff, high-powered marketing strategy that scales in the Hustle Less Profit More Club. 
This monthly business coaching program is designed for busy entrepreneurs and business owners who struggle to market their business. Inside, you'll learn everything you need to set proper marketing goals, prioritize your efforts, and grow your business. As much as there's value in in-person, you know, I'll, I'll share this. One of the lessons that I learned, I want to say the hard way over the past pandemic and into this past year was the value of just actually showing up as if you were in person online. Right. Yeah. So I, I'm involved in a ton of networking and development groups and marketing groups. And the people who really go far and do a lot are the people who show up with their camera on and their audio yeah. on and they participate. Yeah. And if you do that, if you show up and you're present and you engage and you give value, you're going to see better results. You can't expect to just tune in. Yeah. And make life changing actions or, or do things that are completely skyrocketing your business without actually taking action. So I think that that for me was one of the big keys was it's all about just the way that you show up. Yeah. Well, you know, and maybe that's one of the reasons the audio app was so successful initially is because if you think about it, the only reason you're raising that hand isn't just to get up there and be up there, right? You're trying to have people hear your voice. And all of a sudden there's this exchange. I brought up Jay Abraham, uh, David Spizak, who's now a very good friend of mine, is popular on a lot of the business uh, rooms on there. And he brought up Jay Abraham and did it in a way that reminded me of some of my stuff that I had learned. And I brought it up and we just had this instant rapport. And there was this dialogue going back and forth. And after that, he, he was a podcast cast guest literally it was a three-hour interview not that we had to break the show into, into into multiple episodes because it was so good and and i looked at my watch i remember thinking my gosh i said i planned on my show going an hour and uh this thing went three hours i had to apologize i, I felt horrible but uh neither one of us recognized the time because the conversation was that good and now he's part of our business bourbon and cigars uh, stuff and he's a great contributor with that and i consider him a really good friend and none of that would have happened without that initial connection, which was virtually on, on clubhouse. So I, I think it can go both ways. I think in person is more fun just simply because, you know, there's just a lot more you can do. And I think the connection runs a little bit deeper when yeah. you're all there together. That's a Yeah. Like you get the dopamine hit either way, but I think there's certain things yeah. that happen when you put a people in a room together physically that just changes Correct. things a little bit. Now let's That's talk right. a little bit about masterminds because I only started to discover the power of masterminds in the past, I want to say probably 12 months. I knew they yeah. were around, but I've mixed up the difference of a mastermind and a masterclass and a this and a that, and it all felt a little bit confusing. And I didn't really understand it until recently. And I know that you run masterminds and understand the power. So I, I'd love to talk yeah. about what they are and, and why people should have their eyes on masterminds. Well, I think it's a, a mis I think it's an overused word. Mm -hmm. So I'm glad you brought up the kind of the different variations because a, a true mastermind group is one where a group of people, three, preferably no more than 10, maybe ideal size is 78 people, where you might have a topic, a, an issue, a barrier, an obstacle that might come up and we're trying to find a solution, right? Well, two brains turns into three is what ends up happening, especially when you're bringing to people that have good vision, diverse skills. And I think a lot of people use the word mastermind. You show up at a mastermind event and then you listen to a bunch of speakers. That's not a, how a mastermind works. That's a workshop. That's a, uh, it's not even a workshop. It's a seminar. And I think that there's nothing wrong with seminars, but 
to use the word mastermind, that's not what that is. Listening to a panel discussion, that's a mastermind possibly, depending on how it's facilitated. Uh, but the only true mastermind going on is with the people on the stage because people in the audience are only sitting there and watching it. They're not participating in it. They're not able to share their experiences, their expertise on it, or their ideas. And so a true mastermind should bring people together about a specific topic or multiple topics, depending on how, how long your the event might be or however long the agenda goes. And the next thing you know, you, you're, you're sharing new ideas. You're trying to discover breakthroughs, right? You're trying to come up with maybe you discover new business opportunities. So, you know, in the masterminds that we put together, I can tell you, first off, the mastermind we put together has been sheer luck in terms of its success. I, I want to be very clear. When I first, I consider myself a mastermind expert now, but I could tell you when I first started these things, I was not. And all I wanted to do was create an event that was different than what other people did. I, I thought difference got to be better than better, right? And so <laughs> better is better. Through innovation. So I, I love it. <laughs> I, yeah, that's all right. And so I wanted, I did want to create these groups where we said, all right, client retention is an issue. I want to, I want to nail down a uh, group. We're going to, we're going to solve this client retention issue and come up with a breakthrough or a new idea. And so the way we structure our, our format with it is, all right, here's our goal. We want to improve client retention by 5%, 10%, 15%, whatever the goal is. But we start off with three questions. What are the three most common barriers, obstacles, or challenges that are keeping us today from improving our client retention? Once that table, we have breakout sessions, right? So if we have 80 people in the room, we'll have tables of anywhere from seven to 10 people. And those seven to 10 people all pretend as if they work for the same company. And we'll have a table and they'll, they'll assign a table leader to document everything. So once they, they come up with those three things, I want to nail this down because you got to narrow down the scope or the focus of the group. And so I'll sit there and I'll say, all right, now that you've got your three of those three, if you could solve one right here today, which one would have the biggest impact on helping you improve your client retention? So each table might come up with a different answer. And what's beautiful about this is what comes at the end of it. So then they've spent the rest of their time. This is how we're going to measure success. And then they develop an action plan to solve that one issue. We bring all the table leaders up on stage and we spend the next 30 minutes going through what issues, obstacles, or barriers that they identified, and then their action steps. And it's great when they have different, when they came up with a different problem, because then you get a bunch of different ideas up on stage. And then there, there's exchanges back and forth between the audience and the, uh, and the leaders, the table leaders up there. So, and even more ideas kind of come from those discussions. So to me, that's a real mastermind. We've got people working together to solve problems and it creates a bond you know, by the time we get out to the activities in the networking part, well, everybody loves everybody by then. I mean, it's, I can tell you this, and this, this is the part I never expected to happen for us. We just wanted to provide good content and be able to provide a process that allowed people to really come up with, with good stuff. I never, because like I said, I never put a value on the relationships the way I should have. And what ended up happening be, because everyone's working with everyone and, and got to know everybody and working together when we started doing the social part of the of the event 
I have friendships that I have formed in the last three years that are as close to any I've had in my entire life. And there was no genius to us setting it up like this. That's what I meant when we lucked into that. We just wanted to have the content good, but the way it all kinds of works together. And I, I brought up business opportunities. When you get sharp people in the room, it goes beyond just helping for that one issue or that or trying to find that solution to that big problem you might have. I've had people, I've had my sponsors all of a sudden forming business relationships and working out deals with each other, new business opportunities, completely new businesses that have come from all this. And it's uh none of that was planned. None of that was, there was a strategy session behind it. Now there is, now we're sitting there like, oh, this works. Now we can, let's, how do we improve this and how can we tweak that? And, but I, I have to say, it's been the most rewarding thing I've ever done in business. I love that format. I love the structure. I think one of the things that I take away from this in particular is, you know, as much as getting in the room and going through this process is going to be insanely powerful for everyone there. You've got different minds, different ideas, all working together to solve a problem. But what each and every person from that mastermind can now do is take that framework back to their own business and repurpose Correct. it. I started doing it on the show. I started <laughs> asking these same questions. I started asking these. So sometimes if I've interviewed a sponsor, I thought, oh, you know what? They'd be a good guest. I'll interview them and we'll go through some stuff. And sometimes they get very specific on their industry, which, you know, the show I want to appeal to everybody. So I set it up and I start asking them those questions and really in the audience or you're listening or watching our show, not every show, but I'll ask a lot of the same questions we would ask in the mastermind because for what you just said, I want them to go back and say, wow, I like the way they handled that problem or that issue or got to that solution. I can do that. That's exactly what I want. Yeah. The other thing that I really like about this framework that you've just presented is it takes kind of personality out of the equation. I feel like sometimes we get caught up with wanting to become friends first, but yeah. if we look at team structures, if we look at things like the military, right, there's a brotherhood and a bond that's created and it's not because of our personalities and us being friends. It's because we're working together to achieve a certain outcome and we're both committed to the process and the outcome. Like we're both invested in success. <laughs> and so yeah. we're going to do whatever we need to do to make sure that both of us thrive so that we get the successful outcome. And then once you've got that, now you've got this bond, this connection, right? This yeah. achievement that you both have and can both take credit for together. And I think yeah. that leads to such better networking and connections, at least from my, like from the outside looking in, obviously, it just sounds so powerful. You've 100% nailed it, and I'm glad you brought up the military. You're First off, you're in a military family, correct? I am. My husband's in the military, right. yes. That's what I thought. So uh, we just did uh, our, our last leadership retreat, uh, Mastermind Group in San Antonio last week, okay. and we actually had a – the keynote speaker was an ex-Navy SEAL. Then he went on to become an FBA uh, somewhere with the, on the SWAT team. Errol Dobler, and and he was phenomenal. And what I loved, he opened up our thing. It, we, the reason we brought him in is because, you know, when you're in the military, a lot of your process is it's about life and death. So you've got a mission and you've got an action plan, and then you've got to plan contingency plans because 
no matter how good your plan is, things never go the way they're supposed to go, right? And so he did an incredible job explaining all that. And then we had him actually sitting and rotating into the mastermind breakout session groups to make sure that they were kept on track. And sometimes you get some business leaders together and you get some generalities because not all business leaders are good with process. So you, mm -hmm. you've got to make sure that that is followed. And uh, he was awesome. So I'm glad, I'm glad you brought that up. But you're so spot on. How many times do you get and if, if you've got new business owners or, or entrepreneurs in your audience that have employees and let's say they're salespeople, a lot of inexperienced salespeople will all come in and think about, well, I'm good with people. I want to have a friendship with this client. And that's all fine and good. But the client already has enough friends. They don't have enough money or they don't have enough enjoyment on whatever they're trying to achieve or whatever they're trying to avoid. The friendship comes after the business relationship. <laughs> and that's exactly what you just said. Yeah. And so, yeah, and the, and the friendship's that much stronger when the business relationship is good and you do a good job there, whether it's in your support and, and your product does a good job, but the level of service you provide and you go above and beyond, that's when the friendship starts to happen. It's not reversed. Yeah, I think it's so true. I think marketing does the same thing. So in the marketing world, a lot of times we worry about being liked, right? The no like and trust factor. But I think yeah. the like is overemphasized and the trust, yep. right? Trust happens when we we GSD, right? When we get shit done, <laughs> we yeah. got to accomplish something for us to build trust. And sometimes we worry too much whether the person's going to like us and not enough as to what we're bringing to the table and how we're going to accomplish something together. I love that you mentioned yeah. that. Yeah. yeah. So let's talk a little bit about your experience with masterminds and what we can learn maybe to avoid some mistakes in both choosing masterminds for ourselves to participate in. And then we can talk a little bit about creating masterminds or what that could look like for someone. Yeah. Well, I, I think in choosing one, I think first off, what are you trying to accomplish? You know, I, I think that's step number one. What is it that you want to accomplish? If you're just trying to gather information, the networking and the relationship part of it, it's not as important to you. I think there are, you know, quite honestly, mastermind groups may not be the first direction you go. You might go to different conferences and events and you want to listen to speakers and things such as that. So we don't have anybody speak at our event other than uh, Errol, which opened up the event to kind of set the tone, right? But that doesn't mean that I don't value speakers. So what happens is I like to listen and attend someone speaking when it's on a topic that I know I don't know enough, but I don't know what I don't know. Yep. <laughs> right. Yes. So he had, uh, he came in, talked about basically leadership and culture and the processes that need to happen to, to create the right culture. And I've been running a business for over 30 years. I've got multiple businesses. So I've, you know, you feel like you're a good leader and obviously, but at the same time, I know that I could be better in a lot of areas, but he taught us things. And after hearing him before we selected him, I knew he was saying things that I had not heard before. He challenged the way I think, challenged my mind on, on certain things. And I thought, you know what? I, I did not know this. And so it was very popular. We did a panel discussion outside of our mastermind groups on chat GPT. And quite honestly, that session could have went for another two hours because everyone in the room, with the exception of a handful of people, heard about it, but wasn't fully aware how it could really help them and 
be more effective or more efficient or more productive. You know, I can share it later if you want, but an idea that came from that alone is uh, phenomenal. I just got the call today on that. You guys are all excited about it. So um, I, so I think that it starts there. What are you trying to accomplish? What are you trying to learn? If you want to be part of a group where you're really tackling and, and trying to come up with breakthroughs and new ideas on tough problems, then I think a group setting where you're working together is the right group. And I think you have to surround yourself. You know, we always say, don't be the smartest person in the room. I, I joined a very popular syndicate recently, last year. I did not renew it. I'm not going to drop names because I have a tremendous amount of respect for the two people that that have this syndicate. They're phenomenal. And they've both achieved as much, if not more, than I have. But the syndicate itself was full of people where I was 25 to 30 years ago. And so as I went through this, I'm like, I'm not learning much from the network itself. I'm only learning from the one Zoom call that I'm getting once a month from this. So I was in the wrong room with that syndicate, right? And so I, I think you have to look at the membership of a mastermind group and make sure there are people equal and or greater. doesn't mean you have to be the lowest. It doesn't mean you have to be, you know, but I definitely wouldn't want to be the highest. I, I yeah. shouldn't say that because in every group, somebody's the highest. <laughs> so, so I don't, I don't want that person to leave our group, but uh, you know, <laughs> But but not really, not if you've got uh, this is where the diverse skill sets come in, right? And and so somebody might have a lot more experience and knowledge in one specific area, but not in others. And I think if you can have some diversity within the group in terms of their vision and skill sets and experience levels, uh, then you've got a great group. The key is do they have great vision? You know, are they visionaries and are they like minded where they're wanting to grow and wanting to challenge everything? You know, there's something that you mentioned that made me it kind of gave me an aha moment right there that I want to share because when you were talking about choosing a mastermind or whether a mastermind is right for you, what I got from that was if you don't know what questions to ask about a topic, you're probably not at the stage for a mastermind. You're probably needing a speaker, some education or some sort of a program. If you don't know yeah. how to action the answers or want support in breaking through to a new level or a better level of action, that's when a mastermind comes into play. Does that sound accurate? It yeah, I'm glad you're recording this because if it's all right with you, I'll probably steal that for it's all yours. <laughs> the benefit of these. <laughs> the other thing that came to mind there was when you're looking at the mastermind or the group or the program, whatever it is, there's a difference between comparing yourself to the person leading it, respecting and want to get arm to arm with the person leading it versus being in the room with who they're leading. And I, that made really kind of open my eyes a little bit because sometimes we focus so much on the person leading the mastermind and thinking we're, that's the room I'm going to be in is someone with that person and their peers, not realizing that they're bringing in a different group could be kind of a, yeah. a question to think about for sure. Yep. All right. So for those people who are interested in learning more about you and learning more about your business, your mastermind, your podcast, where can they find you online? Well, the easiest way to find me um, on Instagram, obviously, it's Scott T. Joseph, and then uh, LinkedIn, Scott Joseph. I'm all over LinkedIn, Facebook. I just rejoined Twitter, so you, you can find me there, and now's a good time to message me because no one's. I don't have any followers hardly yet, so I've, I, I am completely starting over from zero on that, but and then obviously the our, our podcast, you can reach me there as well or, or get more content, but uh, movecrushcount.com. 
Amazing. Amazing. Scott, thank you so much for sharing today. I learned a ton. I feel a lot more empowered and I'm ready to dig in and find my next mastermind. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you could, hey, I, you and I could talk. You could come to our group anytime. So, Mickey, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you very much. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you for joining me in another episode of the Hustle Less, Profit More podcast. Thanks to our season one sponsor, Asteri Pursuit Marketing and Communications. You can find show notes and resources at hustlelessprofitmorepodcast.com. If you enjoyed the show, don't forget to rate and review us where you get your podcasts. Join us again next time to uncover more of the keys to achieving success, wealth, fulfillment, and freedom. Thanks for listening.